This is Phil Plate of BadAstronomy.com, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM for UBC in Vancouver, British Columbia. Best in bluegrass music, plus classic country, Cajun, rockabilly, western swing, and whatever jumps off the shelves at us. Tune in every Tuesday morning at 6.30 for Pacific, Pacific Pickin' with your host, Arthur Berman. And I'm Andrea. The lovely Andrea, who will also provide you with our concert calendar and every bit of news and information you can possibly need. And as if that wasn't enough, there's a warm-up show at 6, featuring a little bit of a wider variety of roots and branches of bluegrass music. So tune in each morning, 6 for the warm-up show, 6.30 for the main show, Pacific Pickin' on CITR 101.9 in Vancouver.
Welcome to the Arts Report for May 28, 2014. Tonight on the show, Arts Reporter Rogi Joseph will tell us about the lamentable tragedy of Sal Capone. Our summer intern Sahara talks with cast and crew of The Out Vigil, and I'll fill you in on Rodney Graham's upcoming exhibition of the Rennie Collection, and so much more. Stay tuned at 6 p.m. for all ears. everybody thanks for listening i'm your host for tonight sarah lapsley and i am here with two fabulous people rohit and sahar say hello hi hello Yay, hello sahar we got you on the air finally mm-hmm. 
That's wonderful. Rohit, tell us about, you're often on the show, which is great, but you've also got a new thing going here at CITR. Tell us about that. All right. Um, yeah. So I recently uh, have the privilege of becoming CITR's new promotions coordinator. So that means uh, Sarah and Sahar will be fortunately or unfortunately seeing a lot of me uh, around the station. I'm just going to be uh, helping coordinate uh, sponsorships and any festivals and events that want to partner up with CITR. I'll try and make that happen, depending if they fit, you know, the kind of programming that we do here. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm really excited to be uh, officially part of the team now and uh, having a real uh, uh, role in the broadcasting uh, community. So it feels great. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're on board. And I got your email about Sled Island. That was the first alert I had that Sled Island's <laughs> happening. So yeah. you're going to send some CITR people out there. Yeah, it's still waiting to be decided on who, but uh, there's definitely some passes up for grabs for, uh, nice. for the Sled Island Festival, which I've only really discovered recently. Uh, it, it seems like it's really awesome. I, I've been doing some research about it, and um, maybe I'll go one of these <laughs> one of these years, but not this year. Yeah, it, pretty busy this year, but no, it, it looks amazing. It, it looks like a really fun time. And, uh, yeah, if anybody is going to that, uh, look out for CITR and Discorder Presents. <sighs> we're doing, uh, we're, we're showcasing four bands at Dickens Pub uh, on June 19th, so. Nice. I'll actually be in Calgary. Oh, nice. Um, but I'm at a conference, so I probably won't catch any shows. In fact, I won't catch any shows, but um, another time. What about the Squamish Music Festival? Are we involved with that? No. Not, not so much. Not so much, although maybe... Maybe we'll see. I want to meet Eminem, or I, <laughs> I want to see Eminem. I think that's that's everybody's probably a lot of people's reason for <laughs> yeah. going this year. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's not art support. Eminem. <laughs> you went to a play on Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had uh, found out about this play actually from uh, one of my friends, who's also a hip hop artist. Um, uh, the play is called Sal Capone, The Lamentable Tragedy of Sal Capone, that is, the full title. Um, and it's based on um, an unfortunate uh, incident uh, in Montreal a few years back. Um, uh, the story is based on uh, the killing of Freddy Villanueva, um, a young Montreal uh, uh, teenager who, who got shot by the police. And this story was um, uh, written... Uh, by um, Omari Newton. He wrote the play and he wanted to take his own spin on it. Uh, And he got a very multicultural cast that's way more reflective of Canadian diversity than any play I've seen in Vancouver up to now. I must must say that most Vancouver plays tend to be white people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the stories and the settings tend to be white settings and white places. <laughs> I don't know how they manage to always do that, but that's that's the case in Vancouver's theater scene. Uh, but this play was a it was a great uh, breath of fresh air because we got to see uh, some colored faces and and not just because they're token characters. These characters are very much involved in the story and um, they play a big part. Each and every one of them. It's a small cast. It's actually. Uh, five characters uh, so these these characters are uh, each portrayed by excellent actors and 
the thing about each of the actors is some of them are even multi-talented because they have to perform raps during this play. This play is almost like a hip-hop musical. But when I say musical, I don't mean it in the happy way because this play has a pretty serious tone to it as well. And um, it's it's just impressive to watch. The, from the very beginning, when you enter the... Um, the area, the first area you enter is actually in the Roundhouse Community Center, by the way. This is where it was all happening. Uh, I went last night. And um, you enter, uh, before you even enter the stage, you enter this visual art area, uh, exhibition. And it actually has really cool street graffiti kind of art. Um, and some one of the artists is actually renowned. Uh, he's, his name is Didos, D-E-D-O-S. And he actually made, if, if you've heard of Chaos, the rapper... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Canadian rapper he uh, Didos made the artwork for his albums and uh, it's just beautiful some of the artwork that's there and I mean I don't usually get modern art but I, I definitely was able to appreciate the the kind of hip-hop influenced art that was on display here so that was a good precursor to what we were about to experience and then uh, right at eight o'clock one of the characters um, the character's name is Shanae and uh, Shanae is actually uh, played by um, somebody of uh, uh, an actor of Métis descent uh, sorry, Cree descent Cree descent, First Nations Cree from uh, Brochet, Manitoba and uh, his name is Billy Marasti and he, he was right away he just grabbed the audience's attention because he kind of came out and everybody was just walking around checking out this art expo and then he just bam, came out and started a kind of just picking on audience members and saying, oh, look at you tourists. What are you doing here? And because the play is set in a very decaying urban environment and uh, he's kind of, you could almost compare him to Puck from Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, I like that. It's a, it's a, interesting. I mean, I don't want to give too much away about, about how his character turns out, but he's a really interesting kind of narrator uh, that's on the sidelines. And he kind of brings the, you literally follow him into the stage, uh, into the actual auditorium. So that's how you start off. They immerse you right away. And then as you sit down, there's music playing. You see the characters slowly step onto the stage. And um, the lighting was in fantastic. They, the setup, though, the actual stage setup was very simple. Because it's an urban play, they can, because it's set in a very decaying urban environment, they, Literally all there was was some crates, some a, a garbage bin, authentic Vancouver city garbage <laughs> bin right there. And then uh, um, this uh, kind of like rafters, like construction rafters. Uh, and that just represented one of the characters' apartments, you know, just it has three levels. And it was it was so uh, simple but brilliantly done. And the the sound guy, whoever did the sound actually I, I have his name here so i will give him the credit because not enough credit was given him to, to him after the show troy slocum there he's the sound designer he did a fantastic job every time there was music that was needed or every time there was lighting that was synced up to sound effects and uh, cues he was on it and that brought together like the visual and audio element brought together so much it brought a lot to the table that made this play way more unique than anything else I've seen and as I said before it's a hip-hop influence play so uh, there's many segments where you actually get uh, uh, several of the characters doing a rap and the rap is kind of based on from their character's point of view and uh, 
it's it's really cool and I, I don't think anything like this has been done before at least in Vancouver's theater scene so it was really unique and I, I think it's a play that everybody should go watch uh, I will warn though there's very coarse language this is not a play you would bring your kids to see uh, I, I would recommend people who are you know at least like maybe 15 16 years old at the minimum you know <laughs> At the minimum, because it's it's about some pretty violent subject yeah. matter, and uh, it's kind of dark. So I wouldn't necessarily bring kids to it. But it's an educational experience. Uh, and what was great, at least last night, was there was a pre-show and post-show discussion about the play, which really helped, um, really helped bring to light some of the themes and uh, some of the issues that were on display here. And... Um, I, I didn't attend the pre-show, but I was there for the post-show discussion, and I learned a lot of valuable lessons. Um, Omari Newton, the writer of the play, he's very influenced by, uh, you know, he, he had a typical kind of liberal arts education in his university years or college years, and uh, he actually was very influenced by, like, Aris Aristotle, Greek tragedy kind of elements, as well as Shakespearean elements, and he brought that into the fold and tried to make... Uh, hip-hop music kind of elevated to that same level uh, it, and that was his goal and he succeeded in in doing that uh, so all in all it was a fantastic experience I do think the political message may be interpreted by some as a little bit debatable uh, there's a very anti-authoritarian particularly anti-police view mm. in this play and it is there's no holds barred I mean it's pretty blatant in that view and I mean, for good reason, <laughs> um, with the recent spate of killings that happened uh, and that hap sadly have to happen to minorities, mm -hmm. uh, unfair treatment by police in, in America and Canada, uh, this really just fueled the tensions in the play, mm -hmm. if anything. And the actors actually spoke after the play ended about how they were personally affected by, by, the, by the story of this play because they knew people that were victims of police brutality mm -hmm. so you know if you come into it with an open mind uh, uh you may also at the same time <laughs> come into it uh, come out of it very angry yeah <laughs> um one way or the other yeah. maybe well, maybe you will support maybe you'll totally disagree with the play's intentions or maybe you'll support it but i think a lot of people would agree with the at least the attempt at, at trying to showcase and highlight the issues that don't get talked about enough. Yeah. What was the story of the, the teenager being shot by the police? Yes. It, that's uh, Essentially, it was a band member. These four, these four friends are part of a uh, hip-hop crew. And one of them's a DJ. And he, he doesn't actually say anything, but he's like the silent character. But he actually, um, you know, he, there's a little bit of a falling out at one point, And then a day later, he gets shot. And he's in a coma. So the other three are just trying to figure out what to do. And they had a show coming up. They're this big up-and-coming hip-hop mm -hmm. band. They have a show coming up. And now that they don't have their DJ, like one of the guys is more like the business guy, happens to be the white character. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that was a coincidence. <laughs> um, but it, but he's also represented pretty well because he's he is actually friends with all of these guys. And he's saying, hey, we should still do the show. That I got so many people to come out. There's going to be big labels coming. We got to do it even if, uh, you know, the DJ Sam I Am is his name, can't make it. Uh, so there's a lot of debate, a lot of conflict, a lot of uh, emotional trauma uh, that's that comes in the aftermath of um, 
this uh, teenager's shooting. Um, from there on out, uh, I, I, wa- I don't want to spoil anything else wow. because that, that, that's pretty much the setup. And from there, it, it goes to some, you know, takes some really interesting twists and turns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, you know, I just want everybody to, if, if they get the chance, go out and support the play. Whether you believe politi- politically uh, in, in the kind of message that's going out there, I mean, you just got to go and see this and just see finally a play that's coming from underrepresented voices here in, in Vancouver, especially, and the rest of Canada. Yeah. So. so it was based on a true story? It's based on it, but loosely. Yeah. And it was more, ad- and now it's more like the. Uh, the the characters are created you know created by the author uh, by the playwright Omari Newton and mm-hmm. it's just based on not just one true story of the Freddy no- Villanueva but it's a you know it's kind of like a history of those kind of incidents mm-hmm. the the sad lineage of those incidents like a composite yeah. in a way yeah. yeah I mean you've brought up some amazing things in your treatment of the play like drawing attention to the fact that we don't really have a true reflection of our community in mm. our arts, in the arts that we present, right? Like in plays. And so that struck you as being significant, po- positive yeah. and different about this place. Yeah. Refreshing. Yeah. And so that's something that needs to change. And then also just bringing awareness to the fact of how people get victimized by the police based on yeah. stereotypes yeah. and, and socioeconomic Although, to be fair, the play, I I did say hip-hop is a big element Mm -hmm. in the play. Uh, It's not completely positive on hip-hop either. There's there's a critique of hip-hop as well, because one of the characters, let's say, takes it too far, takes takes the music and starts trying to make protest music. It almost goes into violent lengths, Mm -hmm. so... You know, hip hop is not left uncritiqued, right? Because everybody has an opinion about rap music, whether they like it or not. They have an opinion about it. Some people hate it. Some people love it. This play takes a, you know, a more middle ground. It says, oh well, these are the positive. Definitely, there's positive elements, but you know, the kind of profiteering and you know, just violent, mindless violence sometimes. Yeah, this, and misogyny yeah. is also part of hip hop, and it and it doesn't ignore that the play does handle those elements so i just wanted to point that out because some people might think oh is this just uh, completely hip-hop uh, i don't want to see it so even if you don't like hip-hop you'll be able to see both sides of the story mm-hmm. but the music was good i thought the music was yeah. excellent uh one of the uh it's <laughs> definitely important to mention that one of the act- actresses uh she's a first time actor in any play but she's a hip hop artist. Her name is Kim Villagante, and uh, she's Filipina queer, uh, and she's excellent, excellent. Cool. So um, that was probably uh, she was probably my favorite because I couldn't believe that you know she was doing this play for the first time. So not only does she have to re- memorize regular lines, she also has to memorize raps like a lot of them too. So that's an incredible amount of work and effort for your first play. Yeah, I'm always blown away like by actors. I mean, how can they memorize just hours of text and mm-hmm. deliver it? Like, yeah, it's amazing. Well, the issue of police shooting is something I've talked about. I witnessed a police shooting. I witnessed a police it's just random. I've talked about it in the media and on the show, so I, I kind of won't go over it, but in 2007 I witnessed just randomly going out for dinner um 
a police shooting, they shot this mentally ill guy. So it really got me thinking and um, mm. about this issue of um, violence. And yeah. And so it's never, it's never an easy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I came to the conclusion, right? Nobody wants to shoot someone on their day of work mm-hmm. at the same time. There yeah. needs to be accountability at the same time. I don't time. know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a better way, I think, mm-hmm. ultimately, right? And hopefully we'll find that way. And unfortunately, there's tragedies for sure. The tragedy, the lamentable tragedy. Yeah. So if you want to catch this play, it's still going on till May 31st, actually. Do you have the uh, times there? Uh, let me pull out the times just a second. I'll see if I... I'll look for them here, too. And, you know, actually, Tuesday, I don't know if you know this, they're trying to make it, um, they're trying to make it, like, accessible. On Tuesday night, they had... Oh, yeah, it was, it was pay what you pay what you can uh, Tuesday night. So it was, uh, it was full, by the way. The whole auditorium was full, sold out. Oh, so. that's great. Now, they don't have the times It'll here. It'll probably oh, here. be... Yeah. Oh, did you find yep, it? Yep, here we go. Um, so <coughs> May... Tw- 22nd to 31st at 8 p.m. Tuesday to Saturday. Um, And then on May 25th and Saturday, May 31st, there's matinees at 2 p.m. So you should check out Urban Bannock or urbaninc.ca. Urban Inc., yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry. (laughs) I can't read anymore. You can also go to uh, the Roundhouse Community Center's website. Yeah. Or you can just Google the lamentable tragedy of Sal Yeah, it's the first thing that comes up. It's a very unique name. (laughs) And so is this the first time it's ever been put on, this play? No, actually. It was in, it was, it had a run in Montreal like uh, a month ago or a few months ago. So Um, it just came to Vancouver. But the play was actually born in Vancouver. And many of the actors are like Kim Villagante is from Vancouver. So... It seems like something that could be made into like a movie or do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. And um, because of those audio visual elements that I t- talked about earlier being so well done, it totally could be or maybe into a Broadway play. Who knows? I was thinking that I didn't want to say it, but totally. Who knows? Yeah, because it looks kind of like like the set and everything. Yeah, it looks great. Well, anything else you want to say on that? I I think I'm all done. I think I had more than enough time to talk. Thank you, Sarah. And, oh, thank you. And anything you plan to see in the next little while? Um, not yet. Still figuring out my schedule with yeah. the new job and all that. And I still have another part-time job oh. somewhere else. So it's it's a busy busy summer for me. You're going to be busy. Hopefully yeah. you'll still have time to come on once yeah. in a while. Oh, I, I still will, for sure. And time to do your band. <laughs> your yeah. I guess it's not a band, but you're in a super cool hip-hop crew yourself class act and they're one of my favorites (laughs) they've been on the show a few times mc wise guy is like so cute (laughs) i'm old enough to be his mom though um but i'm gonna play this song and uh and then we're gonna come back with sahar to talk about the out vigil so do you know what this song is called i think it's called between the lines yeah i can see the (laughs) i can see your computer yep that's between the lines what probably our first macbook recorded song (laughs) yes so here it is class act between the lines stay tuned for more on the arts report Thank you. 
day. Lunch at Frankie G's, rolling stanky trees, only mess with decky weed that makes my eyes bleed. Now say thanks and please, now say it from your knees, now say it from the tip all the way down to these. Nuts, I feel like raps in a rhyming rut. I ain't at the top, but I'll stay steady climbing up. You're like a ladder. Hey, batter, batter, my raps alone will cook you up the serve you on a platter. I'm writing raps down in my high school agenda. You wanna hear real raps? I got one to lend ya. Yo, like Philip J. Fry and Bender, cause me and the Mike best friends ain't no pretender. Hard liquor, to slow me down quicker, like I'm slipping on a oil slick. This track is off the ricker. The lights tend to flicker, bitches tend to bicker. She said she was addicted, so I had to dig her. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. Keep the AK and Mary J in the top drawer. What's the score? This one right here's for you and yours. Rubs always lying in the songs, now the truth's ignored. I box the whip, cause you know that I'm a high roller. Weed mixed with liquor, got me feeling like a bipolar. Yo, and I'm never slowing down Until I get a cape and a crown Or I'm heaven bound Round ass, big titties, and a little waist Too bad her bomb ass body don't match her face Oh well, at least she got that new shoe smell Maybe I could pay for bagging if she don't say Go to hell Tongue twist a young sister, then I sun kissed her Never had to diss her, cause she always kept my number with her Yo, and I always keep my lover zippered Otherwise, bitches might try and take a fucking picture Nickels, dimes, even quarters ain't enough Only bounce with an ounce when it comes to green stuff I'm lean buff, ain't no motherfucking cream puff I smoke so much, when I blow it out it look like green dust Bust, roll, lick it, then evict it With pain, it's flame, I flip beats and unrescripted You thought you could contest, but bitch you got evicted With flow so complicated, looking like they are encrypted I'm making songs that I wanna listen to Colonel Mustard did it with the rope in the living room Yo, and it's only dope tracks I'm giving you I'm getting fine hand from a chick While I'm sipping through my BMW Sitting low on 22s Tinted black windows finna give my ride some attitude Oh what, you like my music? I'm not really flattered, dude But if you don't, you know I will get mad at you From a warehouse lackey To rapping on fat beat Sick and unique, stepping with fresh feet might be fresh meat, but your old news I told you to go choose a new beat to flow to Then don't come back with something new like you're supposed to Middle of the night, but damn it I can't sleep I'll coin a phrase for free, cause the coin is cheap Ask for an empty rhyming verse, your mainstream sheep The reflection in my shallow words makes them look deep Want my query answered, but afraid to ask It'll make me crushed by the world interior rhyme unless you first start searching your interior mind guess the fault is mine when, when my words, words combine, combine and you stare at the blank, blank space. space between the lines whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR when you become a member you get the friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the main street area at 
Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, the Regional Assembly of Text, the Wallflower Modern Diner, and Woo Vintage Clothing. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. The May issue of Discorder is here. This month's cover features local garage rockers Skinny Kids, plus articles on the ASL Singles Club, Fistful of Snacks, Kiss Painting, Wildkind, and so much more. We are also proud to announce Homegrown Labels, a new column dedicated to celebrating record labels in our own city. So pick up a copy of Discorder around town, or check us out online at discorder.ca, and listen to a curated playlist featuring the May Issues artists. And a special thanks to this issue's advertisers, AEG Live, LiveVan.com, Moto the Car Co-op, North by Northeast Festival, The Rickshaw Theater, Sled Island Festival, UBC Alumni Weekend, and Vinyl Records. Hi, we're back on CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to The Arts Report. I'm your host, Sarah Lapsley, and I'm here with our intern, Sahar. Hi. Hi. How is it going Good. at CITR? Yeah, it's going really good. Um, I just finished up my training in my initial week, and I'm just contributing to different shows now. Good. Yeah. And you're here for mm-hmm. the summer? Yeah, so all the way until September. Great. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do lots for us. I'm very yes, excited. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> and we're yeah. going to go to Bard on the Beach. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that. Which one you're going to? Um, hopefully, we've got to set that up for you. Mm-hmm. I really want to go to Midsummer's Night. Yeah, I read that in high school, and I'm kind of looking forward to see how it translates into a play. Yeah, I mean on stage. I'm sure it'll be amazing. Reading it on paper, so Mm -hmm. good. I want to go see the Tempest, so Mm. we'll compare notes, bard notes. Mm -hmm. Have you been before? No, I never have. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mm. I've never been to any of the beach plays either, so it'll be interesting. I saw teens do the Scottish play. Oh, it okay. was like teen Shakespeare. They were amazing. Were they on the beach as well? N- well, they were on Granville Island. That was a while oh, ago. Okay. But it really, I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, they were amazing. Yeah. Um, high school plays can be pretty good, I guess. I was in a Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only acting mm-hmm. experience. Were you in any school plays? Um, not in high school, but I guess what you guys call middle school over here. Mm-hmm. I think I did um, Streetcar Named Desire. Ooh. Yes. I mean, it was, yeah, it was just a really brief kind of, we didn't actually have like an audience or anything, but it was just like an in-class thing. So it was really interesting. Cool. Good. Mm -hmm. So you've done quite a bit of work on the Out Vigil. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found out about this through Brian Cochran, who used to work here at CITR. Mm -hmm. And so he's the one that let me know. And you took it from there, so I don't know much about it. Yeah. I actually had an interview with um, Julie Isaac, the playwright, and the director, Sabrina Everett, if I'm saying her name correctly, Everett. And um, yeah, so it's a play, it's part of the Emerging Playwrights Program, um, put on by 20-something theater. And we had like a, we had an in-studio interview, but we had a bit of a technical mishap, so we had to rearrange a phone interview. And yeah, so they talked about the play, and it's... um. They had their first, I think the pre-show was yesterday, and it's, um, the actual show will be, um, held tomorrow. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's opening tomorrow. Yeah, 
Yeah. And what's it about? Um, so it's it's a maritime play, and it's basically a story of a Newfoundlander in um, who arrives in Alaska, and he's desperately seeking a job. And um, tensions arise when this woman makes an appearance into his life. And that's pretty much all I know at this point, because the synopsis on the website is really brief. And mm -hmm. um, even the cast didn't really give out much details. So that's pretty much all I know. Is it comedy? Um, no, it's, um, it's kind of a romance. Um, and it has different themes like fate and destiny and myth and magic. So... It's a combination of different things. Myth and magic in Alaska. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, Emma Slip is in it. Oh, Did you yeah. talk to her on the no, first interview? I, yeah. I didn't get to ta uh, talk to any of the actors. Um, yeah, but I, um, <clears throat> they gave a brief shout-out in the interview, so, yeah. Yeah, I saw, uh, we were talking about this, I think, last time. Emma Slip was mm -hmm. in Killer Joe, and she was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have spoken to the cast members. Yeah. It just, the timing didn't work out, so. Are you going to go see the Out Vigil? Yeah, I really want to. Yeah. Um, um, that's definitely something that I've planned. I've never seen a play in Vancouver before, really? so. Yeah, it'll be my first time. Good. So, anything else? Um, other than the fact that the play is being put on in the, uh, on the Havana Theater on the 28th of May, so tomorrow, and you know all what? the way till the 31st. I think the 28th of May is today. Today, sorry. Yes, today and um, all the way till the 31st. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm going so, to the show tomorrow, so that's probably why I Okay, have yeah, right. So the opening's tonight, yeah. then there's just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm -hmm. so you must go soon. Mm, purchase tickets really soon. Purchase tickets really soon, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, that's, that's all. Good. Well, why don't we play the interview? How sure. does that sound? Mm -hmm. And so who were you interviewing in this? Um, Julie Isaac, the playwright, and Sabrina Evert, okay. the director, yeah. Okay, the playwright and the director of The Out Vigil. Here's our intern, Sahara, talking to them. And I'm the playwright of The Out Vigil, and I've also composed some original music for it. I'm originally from Ontario, but I've been living in BC for about a decade. I went to theater school out here, and then I've been working in Vancouver and in and around the Lower Mainland for about seven years professionally. And up until now, I've been more of a performer, and I've started directing a bit, but this is definitely my first big foray into playwriting. Great. What about and, Sabrina? And I'm Sabrina, and I'm the director of the play, and I'm also the artistic producer of 20-something theater. And I've been working doing theater in Vancouver for about 10 years, too, so. Mm -hmm. A lot of experience for both of you. Um, so what can oh, you, I guess. What can you tell me about The Out Vigil? Uh, the Out Vigil is a play with music. I think that's a good way to, to say it. Um, and it's a Canadian play. It has Canadian content. It has two sort of timelines. We've got one story that's sort of happening in the past in the small town in Newfoundland, and then there's another story that's happening in the present in Dutch Harbor, Alaska, right before the opening of the king crab fishing season. So that's the fishing season that happens in the winter, and it's quite dangerous. Um, people die every year doing it. And so, yeah, we've got these two sort of towns and working up in Dutch Harbor in Alaska. And in addition to the kind of day-to-day -day practicalities of the, the two sort of fishing communities, there's also these elements of myth and magic and superstition and music that come into the play as well. Mm -hmm. So kind of like magical realism. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's got that sort of 
kitchen sink reality to it, but at the same time, um, especially with the way Sabrina's staging it, there's a sort of dreamscapey. It's not linear. We kind of time travel. We go back into the past and come back to the future again, and the scene transitions are very fluid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds really interesting. So, Julie, could you talk about your inspiration behind writing the play? Yeah, sure. There's two. I'm, I'm totally remembering what we chatted about last time. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. there's two sort of things that fed into it. The first was the fact that I'd seen this episode of Dangerous or Deadliest Catch, which is a Discovery Channel reality series about these fishermen out on the Bering Sea in Alaska in winter fishing for crab um, and the sort of perils and dangers of that type of life. And I was really fascinated by that. And I just thought, who are these people? Why would they choose to do this? It's so risky. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I've always had this sort of interest in maritime culture and maritime lore. I grew up on the water. so And sayings like, red sky at night, sailor's delight, like that was super commonplace in my home as I grew up. And I also had a lot of family on the East Coast, like in Cape Breton and Nova Scotia. And out of that, I sort of had an, an interest in Newfoundland as well, which is how that half of the story oh, came okay. to be. So, Sabrina, what prompted you to pick up um, Julie's play? Um, Well, yeah, I went to, she had a play reading um, in 2011 that she just sort of self-produced, more or less. Um, And uh, Julie and I have known each other for a long time, so she invited me to come to this reading, and I went. um, And I was just really inspired by sort of um, the story and... uh, and that it was a story that we no- we normally hear. Like, it has a lot of heart, and it has a lot... And I love the music, and I love the mythology of it. And, yeah, and I just thought that it was a play that was worth um, developing and, and that a g- bigger audience needed to see it. And it's under the Emerging Playwrights Program, right? Yes, yeah. So we have a... It's called um, The Spotlight on Emerging <laughs> Playwrights. Um, and it's a program that we, like, choose a script by generally, like, a first-time playwright or, uh, like, someone who hasn't been, like, quote-unquote professionally produced before, um, and then we spend two years developing that, um, play and, like, um, spotlighting, if you will, the playwrights. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the cast. What was it like working with the cast, and was it a big, um, group of people, or was it a small cast, or...? Yeah, the play is written for three characters, So, and we have two men and one woman, um, and some of them, as Sabrina said, this is part of the development process, and some of those actors have been with us for, for a while now, which is really great, because they've helped, definitely me as a playwright, they've helped me find the characters' voices and their feedback, and all the energy that they've put into the development process has been really useful as well. Um, we'll just tell you their names. We've got Matthew mm-hmm. McDonald playing Danny. Race Calvert is playing Cal, and Gilly Roskies is playing Lizzie. We also have a musician, Christina Cuglietta Braun. Uh, she's a violinist, so she's in the production as well. Um, and we have a whole team of volunteers that are helping us out on the show as well. Um, and it's, yeah, they're all fantastic. They all went to Studio 58. They're all Studio 58 grads, and they're multi-talented too. So they're not just acting. You know, there's vocals. There's, they're playing guitar. They're doing all sorts of things. And it's quite a demanding script, too, because it's a two-act play, but there's only three characters. So you can oh, okay. imagine a lot. They're all doing quite a lot, and they're fantastic. And, and we ch- Sabrina and I were chatting, and, you know, 20-something theater really likes supporting emerging artists. And we're just really excited for Vancouver to see these three, like, hot young talents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a mix of myth and magic and a musical, even? 
I wouldn't call it a musical. Not a musical, no. But it's definitely a play with music, and music is almost like a character. Maybe that's a different way to think about yeah, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot yeah. of instrumental background music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they play like songs in in the play. Like they play different folk songs, um, and I think like that's really key to telling the story. I almost think that what Julie said is that music is almost another character. Like I can't imagine this play being told or the story being told without music like music is so intertwined with the story and the way the story is told but it's not a musical <laughs> oh, okay so did you have a separate composer or anyone else helping you out with the music or oh well actually there as Sabrina said there are some folk songs so that means stuff that's already you know existing out there but the rest of the material is stuff that I've composed myself oh okay okay yeah, so there's a mix of some folk songs and then some original composition, too, which is great because people can come and we can guarantee they've never heard this before because yeah. it's brand new music. So talented. <laughs> <laughs> Writing and well, composing the music. Wow. Yeah, um, well, as Sabrina said, I feel like they're really tied up together. Like, to me, I couldn't tell this story without music. Like, the out vigil itself, which is the title of the piece, refers to a sort of ritual that involves music. So... I really couldn't divorce music from the writing process. It was always a part of, of the whole vision. Do you think the music kind of helps the audience identify with the play better? So what, what are some of the things you hope your, uh, your audience will identify with? Um, yeah, I think that I think the music is so key in locating us of, of where we are. Like, um, as Julie said, the play is written partially set in Little Harbor, Newfoundland, and the music of Newfoundland and of the Eastern Provinces is so, um, it's a traditional type of music, and it's so um, iconic of that area that, like, having that music uh, really, like, tells us where we are in the in the play. And also another thing is that it's, it's very much a part of a way of life. You yeah. Know, if you live out in those eastern provinces and you were raised playing and having that music around, and so seeing the way that the characters relate to music tells us something about them. So their relationship to music, how they're relating to music, kind of tells us about their connection to their home and where they're from and to each other. So the music adds this whole other element, which has been super fun to play yeah. at the rehearsal. Like so great. So, um, what are you what are you hoping that the audience will take away from the show without giving away too much about the plot? I guess. Um, I think, like, for me, um, and, (laughs) and this is Sabrina speaking, just in case you can't identify who's talking about it, but, um, for me, I think the key is so much, um, the idea of myth and superstition and something, and nature and something being larger than our than ourselves like that there is forces at work that we don't always have control over that there is another element um that that weighs on us and that and that we don't yeah that we don't always have control over and and how that plays a part in our life and and whether we choose to believe in it or not believe in it whether we choose to have faith or not I think those are all questions that this play raises that Mm -hmm. I think are um really key in like where we are in today's society like in choosing um optimism over negativity yeah and to me there's also this element you know when you talk about things that are dangerous versus things that are safe 
So this whole nation, this whole notion of safety and security, and you know, you can do your very best to keep the ones that you love close and to keep them safe. But at the end of the day, you really don't have any control ultimately over over their fate, over what happens to them. But it's beautiful to see people try, you know. So how do you foster and maintain these relationships knowing that, like, inevitably, you know, all of us are going to die. Like, you know, let's yeah. just accept that fact. That's gonna happen yeah. So we have, I think at the center of our piece, we have this love story. And so to see that love in the face of peril and danger and see what that does to the characters and what they try to do to protect themselves and to protect each other is really interesting and beautiful and and sometimes, and very moving. Mm-hmm. So a lot of universal themes like destiny and love and fate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Sabrina wrote in her director's notes, what did you write? Like, danger, love, myth, music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah so it sounds so interesting. I think I definitely yeah. want to come and watch the play. Um, oh, I hope you see it. Yeah. yeah. So could you talk about um, your relationship with each other? So as the playwright and the director and what the process was like working on a new play? Um, yeah, well, I think we also have a third person. Yeah. So we have a third person who's Peter Boychuk, who's been the dramaturg. And so he's been helping a lot with the script development. And I think I said the other day, like, he's kind of like mm. the midwife. So, like, they're, if I'm birthing the script, then Peter's been kind of helping that come along. And then Sabrina, of course, takes it and makes it all come to fruition and be tangible and real. And now it's it's exciting, too, because we're in the final rehearsal. Yeah. We have a set and we have costumes and instruments. <laughs> and we can, like, see it. It's there and it's happening and it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Sabrina, the first showing is tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have a preview. Oh, tomorrow. how do you feel right now? Oh, you had a previous show already. Yeah, I think we're, I think I'm excited. Yeah. I'm super excited to share it with an audience now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know, we're we're working hard, and everyone's working hard at this point. But I feel like we're all on the same page, yeah. driving towards the same goal, and people seem to be really stoked. And mm-hmm. it is really, it's a best work, you know. Yeah. It's really thrilling to get to bring that to people. Yeah, and we just have a really good group of people, and I think, and we all like I feel like we're all really invested in the piece, so it, it brings this. I think we're all just really excited to start sharing it. Totally. Okay, thank you so much for agreeing to do another interview. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to mention to the audience? Um, As long as they know where to get tickets, Mm -hmm. brownpapertickets.com. And it's at the Havana Theater on Commercial Drive. We have a preview Wednesday night and then running Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's a short run, so you have to come up and get your tickets soon. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. everyone should go and get tickets for the show. Yeah, yeah. We're back on CITR 101.9. That was our interview with the director and playwright of The Outfit Jaw. Great job, Sahar. Thank you. Um, yeah, so once again, the play is being put on at the Havana Theater um, starting tonight and all the way through until the 31st. And everyone should go get tickets for the show. At Brown Paper Tickets? Mm-hmm. So maybe you'll come back on next week and tell us about the play? Yeah, I would love to. Good. Excellent. So we've got about 10 minutes left, and I'm just going to chat away. Um, I wanted to kind of shout out um, to a couple of people. So um, it was alumni weekend on last weekend, so there was a lot of stuff going on UBC, sort of in the courtyard outside the sub-building. And I was helping lead tours of the station so people were coming in checking out the station and we had some really interesting people through um larry you might be listening from new west i think that was your name um he was have a a pleasure and we actually had a couple of celebrities in um this guy 
Todd Maffin or Mafin, I don't know if, what his name is. He has his own Wikipedia entry. Um, he is a digital marketing strategist and keynote speaker. So he's quite well known as a, a speaker. And he was actually a big guy at the CBC. So um, radio commentator on technology and business now. But he also co-produced and hosted the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's national radio program, Todd Radio. For CBC Radio 1, he worked on Definitely Not the Opera, North by Northwest Weekend Arts Program. So he knows a lot of the CBC people. Um, like David Wisdom and Leora Kornfeld. So uh, he also did his own podcast called Egg McMaffin, which is great. A really interesting guy um, here with his wife who is really cool. He said um, Maffin speaks to 35, 35 to 50 conferences a year on topics related to digital communications, and he's represented by Speaker Spotlight. Um, so he's just like a super successful guy. Um, and he came in because he used to have a radio show here on CITR when he was 12 years old. So it was like one of his parents was involved with the station or came to UBC. So he had his own talk radio show on CITR between the ages of 12 and 14. And he hasn't been back since that time. He went on, you know, I guess to finish high school and um, move on to his professional career. And so he came in here not having seen the station since like, you know, the mid 80s. And it was so cool to see kind of the look of wonder on his face. Oh, wow. Remember, like a child kind of remembering all these great memories of the station. So that was great. Uh, So shout out to him. You can like his page on Facebook, Todd Maffin. um, And public speaker, radio personality, technology commentator. So he's great. And the other celebrity was, oh, my God, David Eby. So this tall, skinny, nerdy-looking guy came in with Rohit, and he was returning um, like a speaker he rented. And I thought, oh, he's just kind of a nerdy student. He was really friendly. I was like, wow, he's really friendly. Um, And then after he left, Brenda said that was David Eby. And I was like, oh, my God, I wish I had known because I would have gotten down on my knees and kissed his feet and said, David Eby, you beat Christy Clark in her own riding and shame Christy Clark, and I'm so proud of you and happy that you are the MLA for Vancouver Point Grey. Um, so he grew up in Kitchener, Ontario, the son of a lawyer, worked at Pivot Legal Society, representing people from the downtown east side. He's now an adjunct professor of law at UBC um, and a research associate for the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. And he's the MLA for Vancouver Point Grey. And he beat Premier Christy Clark by 1,063 votes. So, and he was right here, like a normal guy, just returning a speaker, CITR, super friendly. Please be our Prime Minister, David Eby. So that was really exciting. Um, just want to briefly mention um, Thin Blue Line. Now, it's playing at the Cinematheque. It's coming up Tuesday, June 3rd. And it's a famous documentary, and it's considered kind of one of the best documentaries uh, made. And it's about um, a Dallas police officer was killed in November 1976 when he approached a blue mercury comet on the highway. Two men were in the car. Who did it? So it says, against the lifestyles of drifters and runaways, drive-ins and shabby motels, the thin blue line was a new slant on the documentary. Uh, What, um, you know, one of the beautiful things about it is a score by Philip Glass, which just adds this haunting 
quality to it. And it's also, you know, a documentary that was made in the 80s, so it, it has a really kind of historical feel. The other tension that kind of occurs is this who did it. Um, it's two guys, each with different stories. One is kind of cold and hyper-rational, uh, and one is really warm and gregarious and likable, and, and uh, it's hard to figure out who did it, uh, and I won't tell you. Um, but it, it, it really goes to show how a random event, like a seemingly random event or small decision, can change the course of your life for the worse, touch wood and watch out for psychopaths because they're out there and if you pick one up in your car you could end up like the guy in the thin blue line now why should you go to the cinematech because you can actually watch the whole thing on youtube uh other than a night out and some popcorn at the cinematech there's also a speaker talking afterwards david beers a founding editor of the tai a BC-based online source for news and solutions-oriented journalism, winner of Canada's Excellence in Journalism Award. Um, he teaches at UBC School of Journalism. He also worked as a senior editor at the Vancouver Sun, Mother Jones Magazine, and San Francisco Examiner. So he's won a lot of awards for his writing. So he's going to talk about um, the documentary after. Um, so they have, oh, and they have the opportunity to discuss the film over drinks and snacks in our spacious lounge. So that is at the Pacific Cinematheque, Tuesday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. Uh, and to see this famous historical documentary, The Thin Blue Line. The other thing that I'm doing, which is exciting, is I'm going to see um, Rodney Graham's opening at the Rennie Collection. So Rodney Graham, so Bob Rennie, he's a very well-known, super rich real estate guy in Vancouver. Uh, he's actually in the Georgia Strait this week, talking about housing and so on. Um, now, I felt hopefully he was misquoted in the Georgia Strait because he made a lot of um, comments in the article that were, were pretty unpleasant in terms of housing and people buying condos and you know he could be construed as someone who's um very pro-development and so on actually he is pro-development but uh he actually has a very philanthropic side and one of the things he's done is for all the condos he's been involved in building he's actually saved a building in Chinatown. It's the oldest in Vancouver, Chinatown, the Wing Sang building. So he's taken it, completely restored it, um, and turned it into his own private art gallery where he houses his collection. He's got a multi, multi, multi million dollar collection. Um, and there's definitely check out his website here, uh, renniecollection.org to see some photos of the building and the interior, which parts of it he's restored to look like kind of a 19th century building in Chinatown. Um, and he has shows on pretty regularly. Um, and I've been to one. You can only see them by appointment. So you have to visit. There's a visit tab here on the website. Um, and then you have to sign up to go see whatever art shows on. So the Rodney Graham exhibition is opening this weekend. And so right now, it's basically all the visit times. There's only four or five, nine spots remaining for all of June. So you want to get on the website and sign up because it's, um, he's, Rennie collects a lot of artists, but one of his main artists is